Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice M., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, June 29, 2015. Today we are reading from the big book on page 94, the very first paragraph that begins outline the program of action. And today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Anita L., the 12 traditions, Nancy S., and our readers this morning will be Rebecca F. to begin, I believe, Amy N., and uh, we'll announce another reader um, soon. Okay. Um, the share code, the four-digit share code for yesterday, Sunday, June 28, 2015, on our special edition is 7761. That's 7761. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence in the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Anita L. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Anita L. from Philadelphia. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, weren't entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 
11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. With that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Anita L. I will now ask Nancy S. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, everyone. This is Nancy S. from Wisconsin, a recovering compulsive overeater. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay, thank you. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. 7. Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. 8. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 9. OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards for committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do this service and I pass. And thank you, Nancy S., how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 94, the very first paragraph outlined the program of recovery 
And um, we're going to ask Rebecca F. to please begin reading. Good morning, everyone. This is Rebecca F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Outline the program of action explaining how you made a self-appraisal, how you straightened out your past, and why you are now endeavoring to be helpful to him. It is important for him to realize that your attempt to pass this on to him plays a vital part in your own recovery. Actually, he may be helping you more than you are helping him. Make it plain he is under no obligation to you, that you hope only that he will try to help other alcoholics when he escapes his own difficulties. Suggest how important it is that he place the welfare of other people ahead of his own. Make it clear that he is not under pressure, that he needn't see you again if he doesn't want to. You should not be offended if he wants to call it off, for he has helped you more than you have helped him. If your talk has been sane, quiet, and full of human understanding, you have perhaps made a friend. Maybe you have disturbed him about the question of alcoholism. This is all to the good. The more hopeless he feels, the better. He will be more likely to follow your suggestion. Well, this is a lot said in one paragraph. And um, what really, I think I'll just focus on one point because I'm sure others will focus on other points. And that is, about helping others, um, the, that how important it is that he placed the welfare of other people ahead of his own. So who knew when I was entering into these rooms that it was going to turn my life around basically in every which way um, and that I would suddenly be in a position where I could be helpful to others and want to be helpful to others and have the time to make myself available to others. But I believe that God had that in store for me and made it possible for me and therefore made it possible for others. And I just think it's such a beautiful orchestration how these steps work that in order to keep what we have, we have to give it away. And um, then the people we give it away to have to give it away, and so on and so on and so on. And and that's how this uh, fellowship is growing, and um, we're all connected. And uh, it all starts with hopeless, being hopeless, and uh, the more hopeless we feel, the better. And so if you're feeling hopeless and uh, someone has reached out to you, I hope that you have the willingness to accept what they have. But even if you don't, that's fine. Because just by listening to one of us uh, share about our experience of how this program has worked for us, you've helped us. And there's no, no hurt feelings if you move on to someone else. Um, because... Not everybody matches everybody, and that's uh, that's fine. 
And with that, I'll pass. And thank you so much, Rebecca F. Okay, we're going to open up the floor to whomever would like to share at this time. Sally. Okay, we'll have Sally A and Reva B. I heard somebody B. Reva P. Reva <laughs> Reva P. <laughs> Rochelle M. And Michelle M. Oh, thank you all for coming in right one at a time. Michelle M., someone else. Paula D. Paula D. And one more we'll take. Well, we'll just go with those four then. Let's go with Sally A. first, and then Reva P., you're up. Please go ahead, Sally. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, a vision for you. It's Sally A. in South Jersey, a recovered compulsive overeater. And, um, of course, this paragraph has just about everything in it that we need for the newcomer. I want to um, hone in on the end of the paragraph where it says, maybe you have disturbed him about the question of alcoholism. This is all to the good. And here it comes, the the most precious part. Um, The more hopeless he feels, the better. Here is the gift of desperation. The more hopeless he feels, the better he is. Oh, good. Do you feel hopeless? Oh, good. Are you calling me weeping and crying? Oh, good. Have you reached the end of self? Because that's what it says to me. The more hopeless he feels, the better. He will be more likely to follow your suggestions. And so this reminds me of um, it, it's so interesting. I feel like working with others is just making us travel. It's bringing us, leading us through steps one, two, three. It's just taking us straight through the steps. And here we are. Um, basically, I feel like we've reached pages 52 through 55, and they're talking about reaching the end of self. And when I see those words, when I see this, this concept, the more hopeless he feels, the better, and isn't that what they were telling us about um, in We Agnostics? They were talking about how our reasoning skills, we had to reach the end of self-reliance, the end of leaning on reasoning, the end of getting, finding our own way of escape. We had to reach the end. That's when, that's when I was weeping. That's when I knew, uh, what am I going to do? I'm done. Uh, there's no way. I cannot figure out a way out of this dilemma. This debacle, this this calamity of my life, which is the food. When I reach the end of self, the end of my reasoning, my way out, self-reason, self-reliance. When I reach the end of me, and I had nowhere else to turn, I had to go to door number two, which was, what do you think I should do? I'll do whatever you tell me to do. That is the place that we have to come. And it's a wonderful place to come because that's when we can finally turn, made a decision, a commitment to do whatever you tell me to do. He will be more likely to follow your suggestion, made a decision to turn, go another direction, do something different than what I was doing because what I was doing wasn't getting the job done. It wasn't working. And all in fact, what it was doing was just getting me deeper into the quicksand. So fine, hand me a stick. I'll hold on tight. Whatever you tell me to do, pull me out, because I desperately need somebody to pull me out of the mess I'm in. That's the more hopeless he feels, 
the better, the gift of desperation. Thanks for letting me share with that iPad. Janice, are you still with us? Press star one. Janice, we can't hear you. Thank you so much, Melanie. Reva P., it's your turn. Reva P.? Yes, this is Reva P. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I am a recovering compulsive overeater back in Montreal. Um, Two things strike me in this paragraph. The first one, the word vital, that I think we've seen before, but how that refers to the fact that to keep myself alive, to keep um, myself connected in a lively way with my higher power, I need to pass on this message. And yesterday I was on my way to the hospital to visit my mother and thinking about me and thinking about my mother and thinking about my issues. And um, I had time in the car when my husband stepped out to uh, speak to a sponsee. And it doesn't matter what we talked about, but just the whole action of listening to someone else. I can't tell you how revitalized I was um, continuing on to the hospital. And, you know, my logical mind still doesn't figure this out, and it doesn't matter um, how it works. It just matters that it works. And I thought that was so amazing. And the second thing was um, the more hopeless I feel, the better chance I have um, to uh, surrender and go to God. Um, I was so hopeless when I was here a few weeks ago, and my mother's condition seemed so hopeless um, that I knew there was no point in um, focusing on blaming all the healthcare team. Um, I knew it was beyond them, and I had to go to my higher power. And so many people have been sending prayers, and I've had to, you know, go and uh, connect with my higher power. And she's actually doing better. And it just baffles me that self-reliance. I didn't have to make it happen. I didn't. I just did my footwork. I just showed up. Um, and this really works um, because the first it, it, it takes me from like step 12 where I call a sponsee and right at the end of the paragraph I remind myself I'm right back at step one that I need to surrender and I'm not in charge and I don't run the show. Um, so I'm just so, so grateful for the sharing and for the miracle of this program. Thank you and I pass. And thank you, Reva. I believe it's Rochelle and not Michelle. Rochelle, are you there? Rochelle M? I apologize if I said Michelle. Okay, let's go to Paula D, and then perhaps Rochelle will come back. Paula D, you're up. And thank you. And this would be good morning to all my fellow travelers here. This would be Paula D, and I am a compulsive over you, the grateful, recovered by and with the grace of God. And I'd like to zero in on a line, too. seems like there's many lines here, but the one I'd like to come to clo- camp out at is, if your talk, there it is, has been sane, quiet, and full of human understanding. doesn't seem any place here for ego, does it? And it uses the word, you have perhaps made a friend. Well, let's look at that word. One attached to another by affection. We know this disease. 
We know what it does. We know how how down it brings you. How? Because we've read it? We've read it in a book? No, because we've lived it. That's why. Saying, oh, I used to be quoting this and doing that. There was no sanity in there. I was going to a place that they had no idea. So I came to the place where they were. Quiet. Quiet. Can you imagine to come quietly and full? Mm -mm, Not full of me anymore. Full of human understanding, one for another, if the tables were turned. Remember that line. You have perhaps made a friend. I have no idea where it's going to go from there. Nor do you. And then it goes on. Maybe you have disturbed him, but this is a good disturbing. This is a disturbing that is, you know, we see disturbing as, oh, no. I'm being mindful of the time here. About the question, always that question, why? You remember? Why? Why? This is all to the good. You wouldn't think so, would you? A lot of things that I would never think. This is falling upward. The more hopeless he feels, the better. Only God can do that. He will be more likely to follow your suggestions, not you, your suggestions. And since we live in the 10th and the 11th, 12th step, here they are. You follow God, you ask God, and there you go. Perhaps you've made a friend. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. And thank you, Paula D. Is Rochelle M. available? Press star one. Mm. Okay. Who whom else would like to share at this point? Larry. Okay, I hear Vasa O and I hear Larry. Larry K. Anyone else? Rakefit. Rakefit, sure. Okay. Anybody else? Okay, Vasa O, your turn. Thank you. Good morning, all of you. And Janice, thank you so much for your service. And I'm Vasa, grateful, recover, compulsive reader calling from Massachusetts. I never thought I could help anyone else when it came to the food addiction. Oh, I'd come and clean your house, and I'd come and cook for you. And, you know, I, I, I knew so many, I had so many other gifts, you know, to do. But when it came to the food, I was helpless, I was powerless. And I, I reached the end of me. What I was doing was not working anymore. And uh, I was ready and willing to take the suggestions because I was just going to die anyway. So I said, you know, I'm going to die anyway, so might as well. But I better do what they're telling me to do. So, um, I, again, I had the gift of desperation and and um, I tried to put myself, um, in, I talked to a newcomer, I put myself where that person is, where I was when people came to me, when my sponsor came in my life, you know, introduced me to the big book and showed me how I could, I didn't think I could find, a, or I, I, you know, a higher power. The way the and you know the way the big book gets laid out will show us you know as we go along, and uh, that's what I do today. I use uh, you know I help people. It could be in the program, 
or it could be out of the program. I have the, 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 you know, I ask God to always give me the patience, you know, because I can be very impatient, you know, and I've learned over the years, people are going to be where they are, you know, and no pushing and no shoving, you know. I don't call, I don't chase people. I call to say, hey, hi, how you doing? You know, I'm thinking of you today. I put everything in God's hands, you know, people's recovery. It doesn't depend on me, you know. And, and again, I had to do what I needed to do, what was suggested to me, and I just pass it on. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Well, thank you, Vasa O. Okay, good morning. Larry Kay, you're up. Janice, thank you so much uh, for your service. This is Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, you know, it's a, it's an interesting phenomenon this this notion of persuasion. You know, and and I think that that's important for me to to recognize embedded in this in this paragraph. You know, because persuasion is really the action of of persuading someone to do something or believe something. You know, it it uh, some of the words are coerce, induce, convince. I didn't come into this, these rooms to be coerced or induced or convinced or persuaded. You know, um, what a tremendous freedom, you know, that I feel to no longer desire to convince or coerce another to do or believe what I want them to do or believe, you know, because that, that's about me. You know, my only, what it, what's, what it says in this paragraph is my only desire is to endeavor to be helpful to him. You know, perhaps I can make a friend. You know, and it, and it tells us very specifically, my talk needs to be sane, quiet, full of human understanding. The disturbing part, you know, when they talk about disturbing, to me, with that, it means something different today. You know, I don't, I, how, how is it that one could be sane, quiet, and full of human understanding, you know, to be... Um, a really loving and tolerant and disturb another. It almost seems like those are, um, you know, contradictory um, to some extent. And, and what I've learned today is, you know, the disease does the disturbing. The disease does the disturbing. I just, I just endeavor to be helpful by saying, look, this is, this is what it used to be like. This is what, what I did. And, and this is what my life is like now. And, you know, I don't have to pull anybody by the shirt collar and, and, and just just shake them until they get it. Get it through your thick skull, Larry. You're killing yourself. You're, you know, frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. What we have it, it, that carries weight is just our experience. And it is what, what I think is so powerful is, you know, people now see you know, someone who can be sane and quiet and, and tolerant and loving, you know, that's a, that's a attractive. Then their window comes down, you know, their window of, uh, of, of willing to, you know, willing to perhaps to listen to, to a different way. Just, you know, there's different ways to disturb, <laughs> you know, I could punch you in the face and I'll tell you what, that'd be very disturbing to you, you know. I, I can also uh, show love and tolerance and compassion for you, and, may, and maybe that won't get you to persuade you right away. But that, that's something different. 
that's something different. It's not someone pressuring you into something. You know, this is uh, attraction, not promotion. So I let God do the disturbing through the disease. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Well, thank you, Larry Kay. Rakefit, you're up. Thank you, Candice. Mm -hmm. This is Rakefit, recovered Rakefit Z, but in Zebra, recovered compulsive overeater in California. And I don't have the the book in front of me, but I know the sentence talk, the paragraph talks about action. That action has to be taken. That this person has to take action. And I was just so relieved to hear that when I came into program. When I came into program 17 years ago, I had no idea what a 12-step program was. None. I had no God. I had never had a God. You know, it's just I never thought about it. My parents never thought, talked about God, and that's how I grew up. No notion of God. And so when I came into a program, I got a very, very wonderful sponsor, gentle but yet firm and kind. And she told me that, you know, she explained the program to me and the spiritual part, and that just went out the window for me. You know, I, what? You know, God? God's going to help me not eat? Come on. You know, there, where? Where? Where do I where do I knock on the door? You know, where do I send the letter to asking for help? And so that part was very confusing to me. But when she told me concrete to take action, okay, you have to take action. You have to get a food plan. You have to weigh and measure your food. You have to go to three meetings a week. You have to start calling people, getting to know people, talking about your disease. And then she told me that, you know, you have to get down on your knees Every morning, ask God for an abstinent day, and every night, thank him for an abstinent day. And I said, sure, I can do all that. I was so desperate. You know, I'll do anything. You want me to get on my knees? Sure. You want me to believe in God? I'll believe in God, whatever you want. So I started getting down on my knees every morning and every night, like she suggested. And, um, you know, it didn't mean anything to me, but I did it. You know, she said, this is a solution. Do it. And so I did it. And then about two, three weeks into this, when I was... um, getting down on my knees every morning. One morning, I got up late, and I couldn't, I didn't have time. I didn't have time to go through my normal routine. I had to get to work. And something was bothering me the whole day. Something's missing. Something's not right. Wait a minute. You know, why do I feel out of sorts? And finally, it dawned on me because I hadn't prayed. I hadn't prayed that morning. I hadn't connected or tried to connect with my higher power before the day started. And that was the first little opening of what spirituality meant to me. Tiny, tiny window there of what spirituality is really about when I felt out of sorts, when I did not try to connect with God in the first thing in the morning. So I love that we can tell people action, what exactly to do. You know, slowly, you don't have to do it all in one day, but what I can do, what you can do to help yourself, what you can do, not just sit and pray all day, but these are action steps. So um, thank you for letting me share, and I pass. And thank you, Rakefet. Okay, we're going to open up the floor. Whomever would like to share at this point on this paragraph. Sarah W. Sarah Santa W. H. Thank you. Sarah W. and? Santa H. Elizabeth. Oh, Santa. Santa H. Yes? Elizabeth F. Elizabeth F. Carolyn H. And Carolyn H. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Good morning. Okay, Sarah W., it's your turn. Good morning, Janice. This is Sarah W., Grateful Recovery Compulsive Reader. 
Good morning, everyone. Um, I was thinking to myself when we were reading, I think what, what we're trying to be told here is not be in control, to not think that we are in control, the sponsor, and that, you know, my disease is all about control. Uh, you know, I try to control my food. I try to control people. And that is not my place as a sponsor. Um, you know, hopefully I come to the place where I'm reaching out to somebody um, as a vessel and not that I'm knowing what my next step is to be, but to ask my higher power how to, how to handle things. And, um, you know, I think when it talks about um, uh, well, the idea came into my mind that you know, asking the person or leading the person to the place where they say to themselves, have I been able to control this? I, I think it's imperative that a person start to realize that they haven't been able to control it no matter what they've done. And that's where we want to lead that person. That everything that, and I can speak for myself, everything that I've tried to do in my life to try to control my compulsive overeating never worked. And, you know, is that what you feel? And always come, uh, come at it from a place of uh, love and tolerance with everybody. And that it's not my agenda um, that, you know, I, or that I have that big shotism that if he gets sober, if he you know, gets absent or she gets abstinent that I have been the one that did it. <laughs> uh, you know, the ego is all over the place for us. And so, you know, no, excuse me, no matter how recovered I get, I really have to be careful of that and really come from a place of, um, of gentleness and kindness uh, because I don't know about you, but uh, I come from a very rebellious stance, and if someone's going to start telling me what to do, uh, I'm I'm really not hearing you anymore. What I do hear is the compassion and uh, what you've done. What have you done in your life to help yourself? Uh, and that is what works for me. And really, you know, many times people that are first sponsoring have this sensation that if if their sponsee has picked up again that they have failed and I think it's just about a lesson. It's always about a lesson for us um, to learn that we are still not in control, that all we can do is reach out a hand, you know, and it, it brings me to the responsibility. Um, I think it's a responsibility pledge that, that there is that whenever anybody anywhere reaches out the hand, let the hand of OA always be there. And with that, I pass and thank you, Sarah W. Santa H., it's your turn. Good morning, uh, fellow visionaries, and thank you, Janice, this morning for your service, and thank you, everyone who shared on the line. And thank you so much to Sarah W. Everything you said, Sarah, ditto, ditto, you took all the words out of my mouth, but higher power is in charge, and you said it so much better than me. But what I do want to just bring out to add to what was already stated and what was sticking with me and wanting to share is on page 18 
which ties into what we're reading and sharing today. And those last few words on that bottom page that says, um, there's, there's a man with a real answer that he has no attitude of holier than thou, nothing whatever except a sincere desire to be helpful, that there's no fees to pay, no axe to grind, no people to please, no lecture to be endured. These are the conditions we have found to be most effective. And I am learning from my brief history, my short time as a, as, um, a recovered person with, where God has given me the opportunity to work with others and to see others walk through these precious 12 steps that I am learning more and more that the key for me is going from thinking that I have the answers, I know what's best for my um, sponsees, and beginning more to trust that they know what is best for them. And I'm finding that to be phenomenal, the paradox of it, that if I want anyone to trust me, I have to trust them. And that is working so beautiful for me, that philosophy of letting people do what's best for them, no matter what that path is, and trusting the process and trusting my sponsors is working so beautiful for me. Because I used to be, and I'm getting away from this philosophy, where I had all these rules and agendas and and a way that we're supposed to do this and what this hour of session is going to be like, where now I'm now letting them take the lead, of course, with the agenda of what my higher power has in mind for me to do and constantly listening. And I like that thing of the quietness because when I'm quiet, I'm listening to my higher power and really allowing the sponsee to guide me as to what is best for them. And I just wanted to share that because that has just been so helpful for me, that shift that my higher power has been given to me in my meditation. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Santa H. Okay, Elizabeth S., it's your turn. Good morning, Vision for You. It's Elizabeth S. in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Can you hear me? Oh, yes. Oh, good. Um, yeah, this... Uh, this point of uh, being able to identify and come alongside, um, that was one of the things that um, attracted me to my sponsor. And I also, um, with the seven-step prayer, pray that I be useful to others. And in this program, I have um, sponsored and have um come alongside other suffering compulsive overeaters and remembered where I started. Um, I'm pretty new in program as far as time goes, but I feel like I'm in the recovery zone um, as far as experience goes. Uh, um, But coming alongside is less threatening. I'm a very defensive personality, and if my sponsor had told me what to do, I think I would have pushed her away. But instead, all she did was share her, the way her mind works, the way her body reacts. And that that point of which 
I could just identify with. And so that was that provided me a very excellent model with which to sponsor others, just to listen more and to really hear where they're at. And it's amazing to allow God to lead the conversation, to allow God to kind of inspire me what to say. And there's been more on more than one occasion where I mentioned things like uh, um, that I used to seek attention so much that I would almost flirt with guys, not really wanting to pick up a guy, but I would do behaviors like that. And it, and I had no idea she was dealing with exactly the same thing, but the very next words out of her mouth were, that's exactly what I do. And so I know that I'm uh, being led by God in doing this, and it's really quite quite amazing to me how useful I feel and how helpful I feel and how I let God do the, the rest. Like I just do what I can. I, um, I've learned to be patient. I've learned to really listen to people. And I never used to. I would always listen until I, you know, could get something useful for myself out of it, out of selfishness. And now it's totally like other centered and it's like, wow, God, you can do amazing things in my life. And I'm so grateful to be able to pass that on to others. And I pass. Okay. Well, thank you, Elizabeth. Okay, Carolyn H. You're up. Thank you so much. Um, I, I just, to reiterate some of what others said, um, the fact is, so long as we are willing to allow our higher power to do for us what we can't do for ourselves and allow other people to see that God is working in our lives, um, we know that um, we're on the right track because they're willing. They see what we have, and that's what they want. We have to show by example and we have to be willing to allow God to work through us so that other people can see that light of hope. That light of hope. We have to be a beacon for them. And the only way that they can obtain what we have is for us to suggest to them how we live our life and ask them if they're willing to do the same. And if they're not willing, then they need to move on. But Maybe you're just not the right mix for them. But for us to be able to step up and say, maybe I'm not the correct person for you. You might want what I have, but you might need somebody else to help you obtain it. And to allow ourselves to not be prideful so that we don't let self get in the way of God's work. Because he works differently in each and every one of us. He is as unique to us as our fingerprint is. And for me, that uniqueness creates such an incredible bond. But we have to be willing to know when we need to step aside and allow somebody else to guide people to that particular place that they need to be and not be so prideful that we feel that we have to be in charge and for me that is what 12-step work is truly about is 
not only helping others, but helping others to see that maybe I'm not the one to help them and being willing to hear that message from my higher power, whom I choose to call God. And with that, I pass. Well, thank you, Carolyn H. Okay, we can still take a few more. Who would like to share next? Rachel W. Rachel. Terry H. Melissa C. Terry H. And Martha D. Melissa C. All right. Let's see if we can have Rachel. Then we'll have Terry H., and then we'll have Leah, and we'll see what time is left. Thank you. We still have another meeting, so Rachel, it's your turn. Good morning, Janice. Thank you so much for your service. Um, you know, focusing in on the more helpless he feels, the better. I know for me, I, I owe a debt of gratitude to all those sponsors that rejected me <laughs> because, uh, you know, even though at the time it didn't feel so good, but um, over the years, you know, I really had to, in order to really come to terms with, with the rigorous action that this program requires and the honesty, um, I had to I had to be filtered out, you know, and sifted through a little bit in terms of what my in terms of my own willingness. I mean, I could have easily floated myself through this program. I did. That's possible, you know. But um, ultimately, I think we all kind of reach a, an area where you know we're faced with the truth, and it's undeniable. So for me, um, that hopelessness of of just saying, you know what, I'm I'm done. You know, I, it's over. You know, I've seen this addiction like you know develop into other addictions like i'm finished you know and and suddenly a whole new world opens so i just want to you know focus in on that and also you know in the sentence where it says um you know if you're um if your talk has been sane quiet and full of human understanding you know when i first came in the rooms and i and i had the gift of abstinence um i remember this woman coming into the room and she was huge at least 400 pounds or more um, and every time she spoke, and you know, we would sit there, and every time she spoke, she would close her eyes. She couldn't even make eye contact, and and she barely spoke. She she even though you know I went to her and said hello, but she barely said anything at all. And um, something about her, and I I don't know, I didn't know her, I didn't even know her name. I only barely knew her first name. You know, all I knew was that she had my disease. That's all I knew. I knew nothing else about her. But I prayed for her, and I asked God. I said, you know. You know, when I saw her and I saw my disease in her, I prayed for her um, and and said, you know, ask God like to help her. And I did this for over the course of of the weeks. I, I would do it. And don't you know that um, you know there she went off and she would blossomed. And I'm not saying it was because of my prayer, but you know, I can't deny that it was part of it. You know, and she um, over time lost the weight. She looks us now directly in the eye. She's glowing. You know, and I feel like, you know, praying for her helped my, my program. And so that, that, you know, the idea of just stepping back, you know, um, you know stepping back so much that, you know, we just kind of let, let the process, you know, do its work. And, um, and so I just want to add that, you know, as, as, a, as a way to step back and just to pray for the other person, how much prayer is a part of sponsoring, you know, because we just have to know when it is, it's time to, to let go or, or, you know, when we see our sponsees coming up against a bend, you know, which way to go. So thank you so much for allowing me to share, and have a great day, everyone. Thank you. And thank you, Rochelle. Okay, Terry H., it's your turn. Thanks, Janice. This is Terry H., a recovered compulsive eater from Maine. And I just like to focus in on the line where it says, make it clear that he is under no pressure that he needn't see you again if he doesn't want to. 
You should not be offended if he wants to call it off. But he has helped you more than you have helped him. And I just love, I mean, this little paragraph is so packed, Jan, but I, I just love these couple sentences because it's really, um, you know, so step 12, you know, um, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. So this tells me my only job is, my, my only job as a result of working the steps is, is just to show up and pass on what was so freely given to me. And um, if that person, you know, if that person isn't ready, um, again, it's not up to me who gets abstinent. And, um, you know, I've learned from this, these, just these two sentences that I get to do God's, God's work and not his job. And, um, you know, I'm so grateful because I get to meet that person exactly where they are and I get to put myself you know, in in their shoes because you know that was once me, and um, so I have a I have a great passion for um, helping others, but I also, you know, I also know that my only job is is to show up and let go of the outcome. And you know, again, um, I always say, you know, if if they want it and they're ready, you know, you can't do it wrong. And if they're not ready, then you can't do it right. And um, again, you know, I had to learn, you know, that hopelessness. Um, that uh, that I had when I came in, it took me a long time to get here, and um, I had to have that feeling of hopelessness. You know, was was the was that little ray of truth shining through, you know, that black cop, that black cloud of destruction that um, I suffered for so long, and um, I had to give up all options. I had to, I just had to surrender because there was no other way. I think I tried everything, and um, I'm so grateful for that that hopelessness that I felt because, um, you know, that hopelessness I. I you know, I got the I got the gift of willingness, and willingness was the key that opened the door to my new life. And with that, I'll pass. And thank you, Terry H. Okay, Leah M. It's your turn. Thank you so much, Janice. Hi, everybody. It's Leah M. Recovered compulsive overeater. Outline the program of action, explaining how you made a self appraisal, how you straightened out your past, and why you are now endeavoring to be helpful to him. Um, you know, so this is an opportunity to share that, uh, you know, it is through this process that, you know, I had been uh, transformed, you know, that this program of action uh, results in a spiritual awakening, a personality change that has uh, been sufficient to bring about recovery for me and enable me to live happy, joyous, and free. And I can talk about specifically the steps, how steps one through three uh, rehabilitated my relationship with a power greater than myself. That steps four through seven rehabilitated the relationship with myself, with my mind. And that steps eight and nine rehabilitated my relationships with other people. And that through this process, I was transformed. You know, that the secret of these 12 steps is that it's possible to be able to effectuate such a dramatic change in personality, in character, and in value. So much so that as a result, the obsession of the mind was driven out that I no longer want to self-destruct under the guise of seeking ease and comfort by digging my fists into bags and boxes. And, you know, this is, this is the power that uh, the big book talks about. We have recovered and have been given uh, the power to help other people. This is not about, uh, you know, having power over other people or having personal recognition. God uses recovered people. We are merely the agents. We are necessary, but we're not sufficient in any change that a person makes. However, 
however, because of our dark past. Now we utilize that dark past and we can be a catalyst. But obviously it's about the person. The more hopeless he feels, the better. I mean, there are hundreds who listen to this line, whether it's live or recorded. Do they all recover? No, they don't all recover. Why not? They all listen to the same words. They're all hearing the same voices. But our words have to hit something in an individual to provoke a change, to provoke a response. And that, that we leave to the disease because <laughs> there's nothing worse than a head full of OA and 12 steps and recovered voices and a belly full of food. There's nothing worse than that. So, you know, the bottom line here in carrying the message is my emotional stability comes from trying to give to another suffering compulsive overeater and not demanding that I receive anything. And it is done with quiet, you know, human understanding because I once was there too. But there is, a, there is hope here. There is hope. There is a solution. There is a way out. Absolutely no doubt about it. And with that, I pass. Thanks. And thank you, Leah M. We can take another who would ever like to share. There was a couple. We have a good three minutes. Devora. Devora. Okay. Gail. Gail, I'd like to share if we have time. Okay. And if we don't, we have the other meeting following. So we'll start with Devora. Please. Go ahead, Devorah. Hi. Yes. Hi. Good morning, everyone. This is Devorah S. in New Jersey, recovered. Thank you, God. So when I, I, I love how this paragraph stresses that, you know, it's not about me. It's not about me getting another sponsor under my, a sponsee under my belt and seeing how I can make him recover. It's not that about all. It's putting that, it's about putting down my ego and sharing with him my experiences and if he wants it, he can have it. I, you know, um, if, you know, if he can relate to this, if he, he doesn't have to, you know, I, there's no pressure here. I'm not trying to make a sale to him. I don't get a commission on this. So it's all about whether he wants to do it, that I'm here for him and um, for this person. And um, I'm willing to, to share with him what, you know, what I know. Um, and that there's a whole fellowship, and I don't know everything, and the beauty of this program is that there is a whole fellowship out there that, you know, if it's not me, I could direct this person to another recovered person who can help this person if he feels that we don't, if we don't, if if I'm not the one. It doesn't matter. I don't take anything personally, Um, and um, I know for myself that when I was going through this process, my sponsor kept on reminding me, are you going to do this? It's your responsibility. Are you going to give this away to another person? And um, and I said yes. And that's 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 what we, that's what I'm here for today. You know, to help another person um, get better. Um, and um, and it's not about you know trying to um, see you know putting another one under my belt, like I said, but to just really sincerely want to give this other person what was so freely given to me. And um, and that with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Well, okay. Thank you, Devorah. And, you know, the time is up, so please stay tuned for the next meeting, um, and you can have an opportunity to share at that time. 
Okay, thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Amy N. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to keep to be suggestive only and keep you until then. Uh, yes, I'm sorry. I was unmuting. Um, just uh, Could you just repeat again what I need to read? Sure. You're not allowed to be in my room now, okay? Okay, and, and if everybody would please just mute. Amy N., you're going to read, my dear, um, page 164 on um, A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only until keep you until then. That's the end of it. Thank you. You're Hi, welcome. this is uh, Amy N. from New Jersey, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to us, to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.